Got so excited, got so excited, listening and taking this in that I forgot to turn myself on. <laughs> I can turn myself on. <laughs> Good morning. This is a real question. Is it always this good here? Is it really? Whoa! <laughs> I, I, I just loved it. I mean, not just the praise and the worship. I was... Fi- the whole thing's been wonderful. Thank you. Bless you. Delight to be with you. Um, would you be willing to stand with me? Let's read together. This verse, above all else, let's read together. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's pretty amazing. Those are huge. Above all else, everything you do flows from it. Guess we better figure out what it means to guard our hearts. Jesus Above all else, we're so blessed that the living God dwells in our hearts if we've responded to you. And you knock at the door of our heart if we haven't yet. I thank you for decades calling this people together and they've responded. Now this morning, I... Trust that no one came here to experience anything less than the presence of God. I trust that we all recognize our responsibility to listen for your voice. My sheep hear my voice, you said. You will be speaking. We're here to hear you. Thank you that you will do your part. We trust you to help us with our part. Amen. You may be seated. Those are very, very strong statements up here. Um, Do all of you understand very clearly that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Yet there are those who are perishing. Do you know why people will be lost or people will be found? Not because God doesn't want everyone to be saved. Not because Jesus didn't die for everyone. Not because the Holy Spirit isn't convicting everyone of sin and righteousness and judgment. But because of the condition of our heart. Your heart condition will determine your eternal destiny. And Jesus came to give us abundant life. He he died for all that we might be like Him. Truly. Jesus came that we might have joy and peace and purpose and passion and significance in this life. And, and it's God's will and the Holy Spirit's been given to enable that to be reality for us. But do you know, there's lots of people who have entered the kingdom of God. They've truly become Christ believers, Christ followers. And yet their life is filled with sadness, sorrow, confusion, fear, insecurity, hostility, shame, etc., 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 And it's not because God doesn't want you to have an abundant, meaningful life regardless of the circumstances, but it's because we haven't learned to guard our hearts. It's in our court. And truly, the Lord intends that we be the body of Christ, that we look and sound like Jesus, which He makes possible by His indwelling Spirit. But but when, when there's conflict and pain and 
horrendous struggles between husbands and wives and parents and kids and employers and Christian employees and Christian employers and employees. When, when, we, when we struggle with that, it's not because God's not doing his part. It's because we haven't guarded our hearts. And so, and not wanting anyone to feel condemned in any way, we have divorce, we have conflict between parents and kids, we have, we have the world mocking the church, the world mocking the church. It's not God's will. Is God failing? Did anybody vote God's messing up? No, God's not failing. It's because of the condition of our heart that we don't have the abundant life and others don't see the difference that Jesus makes. Did you realize that? So I want us to talk about guarding our heart. Most people haven't thought too much about guarding their heart. Oh, we do it in various ways. I'm just using this language this morning. Most haven't thought about it too much. I'm going to ask my wife to come and share how I did my best to help our son guard his heart. Well, our son quit growing in the second grade. He was a triplet, so when his sisters got taller, we just thought, oh, you know what? Girls grow faster than boys, and... So I didn't do anything about it until he was in the sixth grade. When he was in sixth grade, I finally took him to the doctor, and he got diagnosed with hypothyroidism. We immediately got him on some medication, then he lost 30 pounds of fluid, and then we moved. We moved from a little tiny town in Idaho to big city, Oklahoma City, and he walked into a middle school of 1,500 kids looking like a first grader. You know what they do to kids that look like first graders in middle school? They pulled his hair. They called him names. They'd stuff him in a locker. And our outgoing, effervescent son became quiet and sullen and angry. He'd come home from school, and he'd go up to his room, and he'd just slam the door. Because we'd had three children in one day, we knew that it was important that they have focused attention. And... We knew that Jesus had asked us to make disciples, and our primary disciples are our children. So early on in their lives, we decided it would be a really good deal for their dad to take them out each week on a date. Our daughter, Deborah, described it this way. Someone said to her when she was about 18, who's the most influential person in your life? She said, oh, it's my dad, because he takes me out each week. And he asks me questions, listening for the cracks in my heart. And when he finds the cracks, he pours in love and truth. So that kind of relationship was already established with David before this crisis came. So Hal would come home, and he'd go up to that bedroom door. Now, I'm going to make this sound like it happened once, but it happened day after day, over and over again. Hal would go up, and knock on the door, and and then David would come out, and Hal would get down on one knee so that he could look at him eyeball to eyeball. And he'd say, what's the matter, pal? Nothing. That's what you say in middle school. They they make funny again today? Yeah. Can, Can you tell me what they did? And little by little, David would tell up to 15 things that had happened in one day. I mean, one time they took his clothes during P.E., so he had to wear his P.E. clothes to class. I mean, 15 mean things one day. By the time he's told all of these 15 things, Hal is crying. And he puts his arm around David and he says, Who loves you, pal? 
you do, Dad? Oh, you know I do. I love you, and I believe in you. And whatever you have to go through, pal, we're going to go through it together. But, but, pal, my love really isn't that important. Who, who really loves you? Jesus, do you really believe that? Is Jesus a real person? Is what Jesus thinks, is that, is that important? Is that more important than, and he'd work it into David's heart until eventually David would get his shoulders back and his head up. And as he tells the story, he would walk up and down those middle school halls and he'd be thinking, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And that's when our young son became a man of God because he wasn't going to be a slave to the opinions of others. They weren't going to determine his value. They weren't going to determine his significance. No, 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 no. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. I win. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. I'm successful. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. That's enough. Well, he'd come home and he'd tell his dad the stories, and a name kept coming up. His name was Ashawn. Now, Ashawn was a drinker and a partier. He was into drugs. It was kind of like he had a chip on his shoulder. He was always looking to pick a fight. <laughs> he'd found David. So his name kept coming up. So one time Hal said to him, Hey, pal, uh, would, you, would you ever consider Ashawn to be an enemy? Uh, yeah. Wow. Think about it. What what was it that Jesus said we should do with our enemies? Uh, love them, bless them, pray for them. Wow, what would it look like for you to go back to school and love Ashan? What would it look like for you to bless those guys that are doing those things to you? And then they would pray together. They'd come up with those ideas, and then they'd pray. Well, one time, David finally got up enough nerve in one of the classes, and he said to Ashan, Hey, Ashan, uh, you want to come over to my house and stay overnight? Whoa, nobody would ever asked Ashan to stay overnight before. Ashan came over and stayed overnight at our house, and at 2 a.m. in the morning, he turned to David, and he goes, David, what is up with you? I've made fun of you. I've called you names. And you've turned around and called me friend. David got to tell him about a man named Jesus. And Ashan gave his life to Jesus that night. David and Ashan became a team to change that middle school. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, let's start a prayer meeting. Oh, every week? No, every day. Every day. So they started with five kids. Now, when you're a triplet, that doesn't take long. The five went to 20. The 20 went to 40. The 40 went to 60. Then the principal called up the teacher that was housing it and said, shut it down. The kids went to three weeks of prayer. And then, like, out of the blue, that principal called up the teacher again and said, hey, you know that prayer thing you were doing? You can go ahead and have it. And I'm so excited to tell you on this Sunday morning that for the next 20 years, 
every single day at Hefner Middle School in Oklahoma City, a hundred kids gathered to pray before they went to class. To God be the glory. God gets the glory for that. But I know, I know that if there hadn't been somebody that was willing to take the time to put his arm around a devastated heart, willing to take the time to ask the questions, find the cracks, pour in love and pour in truth, it would have never happened. David grew to be as tall as I am, and he has a national ministry that he founded in Colorado Springs that has seven to 10,000 young people come every, for the last 14 years for three days of prayer and fasting. He has 1,000 youth pastors across the nation that look to him for leadership. This year he has 100 interns that have paid thousands of dollars to be discipled by those that he's discipled. He, he got a band together, and it's on your Christian radio. You see, God's using him in mighty, mighty ways. Unbelievable ways. But this mom, this mom knows that for a boy of 12, it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. Ashan went on to train missionaries to go to the unreached people groups. And that's a great story, too. But we, we share the story because you can see how important it was that David had somebody to help him guard his heart. And, and maybe, maybe as I've told the story, you've thought, I need someone to help me guard my heart. Or, or maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's quickened in you someone that you need to put your arm around. Because every day, every day is the battle for the affections of our heart. Jesus, help us to guard our hearts well. Amen. When we left pastoring to do this, I asked David, we were uh, <coughs> flying from Denver to Chicago to speak at a conference, and I asked him, would it be all right if we tell your story? He said, oh, sure. I said, David, and I've not asked him this before, I said, what do you think would have happened if you and I hadn't been meeting first every week and then almost every day, if we hadn't been meeting to help you guard your heart? He said, oh, Dad. He said, I I'd have been an alcoholic or a drug addict. So I'd have done anything to be included. See, he was about this tall. His friends, the shortest ones, were this tall. The rest were this tall. The kids at school. It was terrible. He knew inside out. He was a pastor's kid. He had to go to church 40 times a week. You understand? <laughs> he was a pastor's kid. He knew Jesus loves me. He knew it. But, but when you're going down the halls of middle school and, and someone kind of walks up and they go, Pow! and they smash in the shoulder and they say, what are you doing here? It'll kind of make you forget Jesus loves me. Make you think and feel and want to do a whole bunch of things other than Jesus loves me. Or, or he knew, love your enemies, pray for them, bless them. He knew it inside out like we do. We know it. He knew it. But when, when you're walking down the halls or sitting in class and someone sticks their hand in your hair, you're sitting there and they just 
pull on it and say, get to kindergarten, kind of makes you forget. Love your enemies. Bless, serve, help, lift, in everything give thanks. We know it, he knew it. But the issue is not about being hearers of the word, but about being doers. And he needed help, as do all of us. So, what I want to do this morning, if I think it's okay with you, I'd like to have a little fun. Is that all right? Um, uh, I, if, if it gets too much, you, you can leave. Um, I, I asked Pastor if there was, because I, I want to talk to us about our heart. I, w- I want to help us see how our heart works so we, can, so we can guard it and even help others guard their hearts. So I asked Pastor if there was somebody in the congregation who had a pretty good marriage, and he said, well, Keith and Julie Barnes do. I said, uh, who's Keith and Julie? Are they around here? Oh, no, right here in front. Oh, well, no wonder they have such a good, would you be willing to help me? Good. Julie, would you be willing to have? She's not. Clap for Julie. She's not sure. Come, come, come. Right. Come, come. Good. All right. Let's go right here. And so, Keith, if you'd sit over here. Julie, would you sit right here? Thank you. Boy, you should have seen the look in her eyes. <laughs> Sheer panic. Yeah. And, and I need someone who's, uh, I don't know. I need someone who's. Kind of fun, maybe. Uh, let's see. Are you, are you any fun? Sometimes. Sometimes. Would you help me? Sure. What's your name? Ryan. I thought it was Ryan. Okay, good. Ryan, come help me. Okay, good. This is Ryan. Everybody clap for Ryan. Does everybody know Ryan? Okay. Do. Uh, is this his first Sunday? Oh, you've been here before. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, good. All right. And. And I need, boy, these stairs are great. <laughs> I need someone that, would you all pray that I don't, I just about, well, anyhow. Um, I, I, need, uh, I need someone who's dependable, steady, solid. How about your pastor? Think he'd do it? Ready? I didn't ask permission to do this. I just did it. Okay, good. Okay. We, you, you think he's not afraid. You didn't clap very well. <laughs> they didn't clap for you very much, eh? They think you're okay. I need help. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, we'll work on that. Well, what I want us to talk about is our heart and how to guard it. And so we're going to let this be a picture of the heart. And in your heart, the way God made you, and it's good the way he made you, is a will. God gave you a will. And so uh, we're going to talk about your will. And we like to say that the will is king. That doesn't mean the will is a big shot. That means the will is responsible, just like parents are parents, but they're responsible, pastors are responsible. So we like to talk about the will as being responsible. So first I want to talk about the will as king. And whenever you have a king, of course, you always have a crown. So today I want to introduce you to little king Will. (laughs) Fits perfectly. Well, sort of. Okay, good. All right, good. And, and uh, so this is little King Will. And when you were born, God gave you a will, and your will is responsible. Now, when God created you, he also gave you some other components in your heart to partner with your will. But finally, the will is responsible. See? So I want us to understand little King Will here is responsible. So God made him. And when he was born, it was in, he was born at an early age, and when, when God made him, he gave him all these advisors to help him. And they, 
they started living life and actually they'd have lots and lots of meetings in their heart. See, they'd come around this round table and have meetings and lots of meetings in the heart. And, but the little King Wu was responsible and things went pretty well for about, mm, you know, two years. But then he hit two and it was a terrible year. I mean, if you know what I mean, it was a terrible year. And, and they had so many meetings. They kept having meetings and meetings and things kept getting worse. And finally it got so bad that when he was in middle school, I mean, he was in fights with his brothers and sisters. He was getting kicked out of school. He was putting stuff in his body he wasn't supposed to. He was stealing stuff. His life was so bad, and they were so much in trouble. Do you know what happened? One day, his advisors accidentally met at Walmart without him. And they got to talking. And he said, I am so sick of our life. It's terrible. And she said, me too. I can't even sleep. And in fact, I put myself to, to sleep every night crying and weeping. And he said, I'm sick of it. He said, I've had it. I think we need to do something. And, and they said, well, we've been talking and doing it. He says, I've got an idea. They said, well, what's that? He said, I think we need a new king. <laughs> and they jumped. They're, oh, oh, oh. So we, we could never do that. I mean, how, how could we even tell him? He's liable to cut our hair. I mean, no, what, what could we do? And he said, well, I don't know. But if we want things to keep going the way they are, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And they said, well, that's right. So he said, well, why don't we try to think of something? So they got to thinking. After a while, he said, you know, I've heard of a king. I, I've heard that there's a king who is good all the time. And she said, well, I've heard about a king that's really smart. He knows everything. He said, huh, I, I was thinking about a king that's all powerful. He can do anything. And they kept talking and dawned on him. They were thinking about the same king. They said, we might have an answer here. <laughs> and then they had another problem. How do we tell little King Will? That took more time to figure it out than the first problem. But they talked and talked. Finally, she said, I've got an idea. They said, what's that? She said, you tell him. <laughs> oh. So little King Will calls his advisors in for a meeting, and they have trumpets at tea, you know, and they're doing But then, then he looks at him and he says, something's wrong. You guys are all nervous. What's up? You all look kind of... And he asked them questions. They wouldn't even talk to him. He said, come on, what's up? And they were kind of shaking a little bit. He said... I want somebody to talk to me. What in the world's going on? You know what happened then? She said, "Time." <laughs> and so, so little King Will said, "What's up, man?" And 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 he said, "Well, well, 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 well." And he said, "Come on, tell me." He said, "Well, they think that we need a new king." And he jumped for fear that you know, little King Will pull out his sword. So little King Will didn't even pull out his sword. You know what he did? He bowed his head. He said, "You're right." We need a new king. He said, our life is an absolute pit. So I, I'm responsible. It's terrible. Besides that, I'm sick of being king. <laughs> Whenever things go bad, everybody blames me. And I'm just sick and tired of it. So, okay, tell me about it. And they were all happy because he wasn't uptight. He was actually listening to him. He said, well, we know of a king who's good all the time. And she said, oh, yeah. But, and, and he's also really smart. And, and little King Will looked and he said, good all the time? Knows everything? never been a king like that. And he said, oh yeah, besides that, he's all powerful. He can do anything. And little King Will got a little irritated. He thought they were mocking him. Because there's, there's never been anyone like that. He knew it. He said, okay, wonderful advisors. 
if there's someone who knows everything, loves all the time, perfectly good, and, and can do anything, I'd like to know his name. And they said, oh, well, his name is King Jesus. Well, so, oh, I've heard of him. Y- you mean, you mean, you mean Jesus could actually come into our heart and save our lives? They said, that's what we've heard. He said, well, what do I have to do? They said, I don't know. We've just heard that if we'd actually invite Jesus into our heart, that he'll save our life. And Will said, well, guess we don't have anything to lose, so we're going to invite Jesus to come. I need somebody who can be like Jesus for, you know, ten minutes or so. Um, Everybody's nervous. This is terrible. You should see the look on your face. Sir, would you help me? Uh-oh, he won't. No, he will. So I'm interrupting. He's taking notes and everything. That, you weren't watching the game, were you? Okay, all right. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's clap. He didn't know he was getting into here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was a pastor. I used to think people were always taking notes. <laughs> oh, no. I found out later what they were doing their iPhones. I tell you. No, anyhow. So he, Jesus comes to the table and sits down, and little King Will takes a look at him. He says, uh, you don't look like I thought you would. <laughs> and, and Jesus, Jesus just nice to him. He, he just smiled and kind of winked at him a little bit. And, and, and Will said, well, well, uh, here, here's the deal. He said, uh, my life is a mess. And Jesus said, I know. Will said, how do you know? Jesus said, well, I've been here all along. Will said, well, why didn't you do something? Jesus said, I did. Will said, what would you do? Jesus said, well, I talked to you all the time. Will said, I didn't ever hear you. Jesus said, oh, you heard me. You just didn't recognize my voice. Oh. Well, it doesn't make any difference. I've heard that you'll save my life. My life is an absolute mess. It's the pits, and I'm sick of it. And in fact, I've heard that you're a king, and so I've decided that I want to make you king of my life. So I want to give you my crown, and, and so now I want to crown you king and lord of my life, and I'm so glad you came. And Jesus just smiled at him again. <laughs> he said, you don't know me very well, do you, Will? Will said, well, I don't know. What do you mean? Jesus said, you can't make me king. He said, I'm already king. In fact, I've always been king. King of kings, Lord of lords, always have been, always will be. And furthermore, I already have my own crown. I don't need your crown. In fact, I won't take it. You see, I made you in my image. I made you to rule and reign with me forever and ever. And I want you to understand a couple of things. Number one, first of all, you have no choice but to make choices. I'm not going to take that away from you. I made you that way. I made you in my image. You see, what happens is that people think, because I'm God, they think that I'm going to come into their life and I'm going to change everything. I'm going to change the weather. I'm going to change the traffic patterns for them. They think I'm going to just change everything for them. And I could. I could easily, and I will someday, but right now, I I don't really rule by ruling in power. Right now, I rule in grace and truth. You see, fundamentally, I'm love. The very core of my nature is love. And so, I will come into your life, I'll come into your heart, and I'll save you. Not by controlling everything on the outside, oh, I could, but by talking with you. See, I didn't make you to be a robot, I made you for relationship. And, oh, I could stuff you easy, but I I didn't make you for that. I made you 
for relationships. So I am love and I'm truth. And what I do in care and deep care, I will come and I will tell you the truth. And if you listen to me and believe me and do what I say, I'll save you. So do you want me to come in? Yes. You do? All right. Yeah, yeah. What do you have to do? Um, I'm going to ask you. You have to believe. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. And I'll come in. But you have to believe me. You have to trust me. See? Yeah. Now, do you think that's going to be easy? Very easy. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That's the problem. It's going to be hard. Okay. Because you've been, you've been trusting any and everything else. See? But I need to tell you this also. When I come into your life, I'm not just going to make it easy for you. I'm not going to change the economy. I'm not going to change the government. I could easily, but by and large, I don't. And I might, but by and large, what, what I, I, I'm not even going to change your wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. What I'm going to do is I'm going to change you. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know what the problem has been? You've been a wimp. Yeah. You've been a wimp. You're going to have to grow up and get strong. Mm-hmm. See? And, and you've been letting everyone and anything be God except for me. You think the problem is the weather or your boss. That's not the problem. You know what your problem is? I knew it. That's your problem. <laughs> That's your problem right there. See? That's your problem. Mm-hmm. So, if you want, I'll come into your heart and we'll talk. If you listen to me and believe what I say and do what I tell you, I'll help you and I'll strengthen you and I'll save you. You want to do it? Yes. Okay. Then you're gonna, I'm going to have to coach you a little bit here. Okay. First of all, let's talk about your problem. Okay. okay. Besides being a wimp, which is the beginning problem, you got them. And you've allowed them to run the shot as if they were king. So let me tell you about them. Okay. First of all, you got this guy. Now, I made him, and he's good, and I gave him to you to help you, see. But when you were born, I wasn't in your life, and I'm the light. There was no light, so he was born in the dark. And then you know what he's been doing ever since? He comes to your meetings, and he talks and talks and talks. He won't quit talking. In fact, you try to sleep at night, he keeps talking. He, he, keeps, you, he keeps you awake all night long. See, he's your thoughts. He's your mind. And, and I gave you a mind. Very, very good tool. But without me, he's dark and deceived. See? And so what you've done is you've let him call the shots. How many times have I heard you say, well, I think, mm-hmm, that's him. Mm-hmm. How'd it go for you? Not very good. Not very good. Mm-hmm. That's right. See? So here's the point. He's not going away. He's with you to your day. Die now. He'll get a little slower as you go along, but but he he just he just with you till the day you die. So he'll keep talking and talking. And in in the past, you've just let him you let him rule. So now when he says something, you have to be nice. But just take your hands and hold them like this. Just hold, take your hands, hold them like this, and grab a hold of those thoughts. See, then I want you to learn to bring every thought captive into obedience to me. If you'll do that, you can say, Jesus, I was thinking. But my faith is in you now, see? So I wonder what you think. And if you'll find out what I think and believe me and do it, I'll save you. Now, is that going to be easy? I don't think so. No. You're going to need a lot of help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of help. But, but are you willing? Yes. That's your name, Will. Yes. See, are you willing? I, I mean, am. is your will set? 
I am Will and I am set. That's good. All right. I think I like you. I think it's going to be good. I know I love you, but I, th- I think I like you. Okay, good. So, all right. Well, okay. See, what you have to learn is you have to learn to trust in me with all your heart and not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways. How many is all? That's a lot. That's a lot. In all your ways to acknowledge, that means to come to me, act know, know me, find out what I think, and agree with me, find out, and then believe me and do it. In all your ways, acknowledge me. I'll even tell you what to do. And when you step out of the boat into the water, I'll hold you up. I'll give you power to do if you're doing what I've told you to do. See? I don't necessarily give you power when you're doing what you think. You're on your own. Find out what I think. I'll empower you. And I'll save you. Sound good? Sounds good. Sound easy? Uh, no. No. Okay. You're going to have to work at this. Are relationships work? Yes. Yes, they are. Are you married? I am. You know. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. There we go. A lot okay. of work. Good. A lot of work. Okay, good. That's a lot of shit you said in here today. Okay, so. All right. Well, good. Well, <clears throat> you think he's bad. She's terrible. No, no. Well, don't say <laughs> Oh, oh. I, I can say it. Oh, Would I you? Can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think. In the name of the Father, Son, you're dismissed. No, never mind. Okay. So, all right. So, so you know, he comes to your meetings, and he just talks and talks. You know what she does? She comes. She, she screams. She hollers. She, just, she, I mean, she, she goes berserk. See, because she's your emotions. See. And I gave them to you. And they're good when they work the way I intend them to. But without me in your life, she's hearing everything, and oh, my, she goes nuts. And see, what you, you have to understand her, okay? She's never had an original thought in her life. <laughs> well, she's not supposed to. Here's your mind. See, he thinks, she feels. Well, you have to understand how they work together. See, he's pretty loyal to you. He tells you most things, but it's like... It's like these two are, it's like, it's like they're close. I mean, he tells her everything. And whatever he tells her out of his depraved perspective, which is dark, she feels. See? So, sometimes it's helpful. For example, the other day, you came up to the train track, the train was coming, you didn't see it. He saw it, and he told her. And when he told her the truth, you know what she did? She screamed, and you stopped and looked, and it's, it was good that time because he saw the truth. The train was coming, see. But much of the time, what he sees is twisted. Remember the guy that was mad at you the other day? And, and so, you know what happened? He told her about that guy, and she went, she hated and she And then you punched him. Remember that? You punched him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how'd that work? Not very good. But you know what? So you, you just can't let her be the boss. You've got to grow up. You've got to get strong. So, she, I mean, she's going to be like this, you know. So what you have to do is just, just tell her, calm down. When she pounds the table and holler, just say, calm down. And then turn to him and say, what in the thunder have you been telling her? What did you say? And, and then what do you do when you get the thought? You okay? You, okay, you're doing good. And you bring it to me. Bring it to me. Say, Jesus, I was feeling shame. I was feeling anger. I was feeling hostility. So I slowed down long enough to find out what I was thinking, to find out what caused that. And, and this is what I was thinking. I wonder what you think about what I was thinking. And if you'll come to me and find out what I think, I'll tell you the truth. It'll save you. I'll save you. See, if you're willing. Hear it? If you're willing. It doesn't mean passive. It means you set your will. Because they're not going away. 
And I could force them. I could, I could beat them up. I could kill them. I, but you're going to have a mind till you die, as far as I know. Okay. Won't be so good, but you know. So you're going to have to. You're going to have to, by an act of your will, learn to not let them be God, because whatever rules your life is God. And guess what's been going on? They've been in charge. They've been in charge. Mm-hmm. How'd it work? Not very good. Not very good. Okay. So we're going to have to get this. But, but I've come to make everything new. See, what's new? I'm in your life. Before I wasn't. Now I'm here. All things are new. It's because I'm here. Okay. And now you're going to trust me, right? Right. Easy to say. Hard to do. Right. You have to learn it. The fight of faith. Right? right. Okay. Right. Good. Okay. Well, <clears throat> now, I'd really like to go on this guy. Because he is where most of your problems come from. Oh, yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. I've been telling you that. See, yeah. But you weren't listening. Yeah, yeah. But, see, these two, they didn't get into it so quick, but right off the bat, he came, and he, he wanted everything right now. See, he's your desires. So from him, you learn to say, I think. From her, you learn to say, I feel. From him, you learn to say, I want. But before you could talk, he wanted somebody to change his pants. <laughs> He wanted a soft bed. He wanted his mommy to hold him and sing songs to him. He wouldn't go to sleep without crying if she didn't hold him. Hey, you know. and, and then he wanted to be first in the class in kindergarten. He wanted a new wagon. He, he, he wants a new house. He wants to be president. He wants all the girls to like him. I want, I want, I want. And I've listened to you. How many times have I heard you say, well, I want? A lot. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. How'd it work? Not very good. Not very good. So are you going to let him be king? No. Yeah, good. Who are you going to trust? Yeah, trust me. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So here's what. He, he's not going away either, okay? But you just can't let him be the boss. He'll keep going. Just say, shh, just, just tell him to be still. Then say, Jesus, I was wanting, but I wonder what you think about that. And I'll tell you, and if you'll trust me, it's going to be hard. But the grace of God, my grace teaches you to say no to leaving me out. No to ungodliness. He's just doing his own things. You, if you trust me and say no, I'll save you. Now, there's a couple more things I, need to, I really need you to understand about this. After I've been in your life for a while, this guy's smart. He's going to listen to me and he, he, it's going to make sense to him. And he's going to start buying it. And, and then he'll start telling you the truth, and it'll make it easy for you. But still, don't just take his word for it, because I made you for relationship. Keep coming to me. Because if you only take his word for it, then you can be someone who has all the truth, but you don't have relationship. So even though you get the truth, keep bringing it to me. And besides that, he can still be deceived greatly. See? So he, you, he, he's going to be changed. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm coming to renew your mind. And guess what happens when he gets the truth? He's going to tell her. Instead of hostility and rage and fear and guilt and shame, she's going to start feeling joy and peace. She'll even have emotions of care and compassion. And she'll help you. See, But you don't want to put your faith in them. They're helpers. You come to me finally. And after a while, he's going to see, he's going to see how good I am. He, he wants what's best. He, he wants. He wants good. He's, he thought what he was thinking was good. But he'll, he'll see what I'm like, and he'll want me. He'll want the eternal values I have. And after a while, he'll be transformed, and he'll help you after a while. But right now, you've got to be very, very strong in not letting these guys be strong and strong in turning to me. Does this make sense? Makes sense. Yes. Does this make sense? Now... I'm going to hurry here because I took too much time. Let's, uh, let me go ahead and I'd like to talk about people there. Every person that you meet has a table like this. They have a heart, don't they? See, 
And you meet people who are not Christ followers, so Jesus isn't even in their life. So they do what they think they feel they want, and they'll influence you. But when you come to church, the people in the church have a heart, but they still have what they think and feel and what in their heart. And see, So we're going to have to figure out how to work with that. But let me jump to this quickly and say our son David, when, when he was getting the, just getting beat up at school every day, bad things were happening to him. What can you imagine he was thinking and feeling and wanting? Can you imagine how terrible it was? So I, I, he needed help from his church. So I was his church. So I came and I said, so what happened? He told me. And I said, well, what do you think? And he told me, ooh, that's not pretty. And how that make you feel? Well, that's worse. And what did you want to do? Well, we can't even talk about that, see. But, okay, tell me, do you really trust Jesus? Oh, yeah, Dad, really. What do you think Jesus thinks about you? And it was a fight to get what he knew that Jesus thought about him down into is Jesus a real person? Does Jesus actually have thoughts right now? Let me ask you, is Jesus a real person? Does Jesus have thoughts about you right now? Does Jesus know everything you're thinking right now? He's right here, isn't he, see? He needed lots of help. And this is into the discipling process, and we won't talk about this morning. Let me hurry on here. Uh, let's skip that. I'd like to talk about that, but I have to hurry. So, let me just finish up real quickly, put a f- theological foundation under this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? Would you have a chance to be right with God if it weren't for grace? The answer is a real loud no. Real loud no. Okay, good, good. Makes sense. Now, I need to tell you, I, by an act of my will, many, many years ago, I set my will to believe Jesus. To trust Him. To do what He said because He was God. I set my will. Do you think I've lived it anywhere close to perfect? No. But my will is set. And the God who sees the heart, man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And the heart of my heart is my will. That's my responsibility area, see. And my will is set to believe Jesus. Now, I will tell you, I still struggle with these little guys. My thoughts, I still struggle with I think or I feel or I want. And, and, and there are times when they, they, I do that. But I have Jesus in my heart, and he'll talk to me about that. But the key issue here is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I set my will long ago to receive Jesus into my heart, and I haven't changed my will. My will is still set, and he knows it perfectly. There's only two kinds of people in the universe. Those whose will is set to know and believe God, those whose will is not. That's simple. And God knows it. My will is set, and therefore, there is no condemnation. Do I live perfectly? Far from it. Don't even talk to my wife about it. Don't even think about it. Do I live perfectly? Far from it. Do I want to? Is my will set? Yes. Yes. And Jesus knows it. It's a big deal to be a Christian. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Does everybody kind of understand what I'm saying here? Talk a little theology pretty fast. Let me keep going here. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law could be, would be fulfilled in us. See, Christ in us is the hope of glory, not the guarantee of the manifest presence of God. Christ in us is the hope of the manifest presence of God, but not the guarantee. He doesn't force it. So he condemned sin in flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. Now, you have flesh. Jesus had flesh. The Word became 
flesh and dwelt for a while among us, right? So you have flesh. You have thoughts. You have emotions. You have desires. There's other components. I don't have time to talk about it. But these are the basic biblical components of your heart. See, you have them. And they're not going away. The issue is not if you have flesh, you have thoughts, desires. The issue is who is God. So, and, and, and when you allow what you think or what you feel or what you want to govern you, that is what's called walking according to the flesh. You have flesh. You walk according to the flesh when you let these guys rule. When I want rules, when I think rules, when I feel, what am I, when I think wills, let's try this again. When I think rules, when I feel rules, when I want rules, that is another ruler than God. And that is what the Bible means by walking according to the flesh. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say today, and I'm about through here, if you don't hear anything else, listen to this hard. How do broken, beaten, battered, arrogant, proud, lost, Jesus called them pagans, how do people who are headed toward hell without God, how do they live their lives? Listen. I think, therefore I'll do it. I feel, therefore I'll do it. I want, therefore I'll do it. It's my party. Sorry. Me, me. I, I. Calling the shots, running the show. As if these were God. Hear me. Lost people live by I think, I feel, I want. But not us. Not us. We're born from above. We're new creations. Old things passed away. Everything's become new. In short, we're weird. Everybody say, I'm weird. Yes, because God lives in you. You're not God, but He lives in you. You're born from above. And so, Christ in you, Christ in you, makes you altogether different than lost people. This is how lost people live, letting these guys call the shots. And all of us had a lot of practice at it before we invited Christ into our lives. And we're going to have to do some work on a new relationship. So he condemned, uh, in order that the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here's Christ in us, the Holy Spirit. We walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Right? So, I'm a pastor, 40 years. Should have been fired long before I did. I didn't get fired. I mean, I should have gotten fired. Because people would come to me, church members, Christians would come to me, and they'd say, well, I think, and I'd say, who cares? <laughs> Give you permission. <laughs> or they'd say, well, I want, and i say, and? Who cares? What does Jesus think? What does Jesus want? That's who we are. We walk by the Spirit. We have newness of life. We're different. We're weird. We march to the beat of a different drummer, in theory. Until we figure out some ways to get help so that these guys are not prominent and dominating our lives, we're still living pretty much like lost people live and we'll have pretty much the problems that they've got. Does everybody understand I'm saying something right now? So let me go ahead. If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. You know what that means? Plain English. If you're living, if you're living, by, if you're letting these guys call the shot, if you're living by the flesh... You must die means it'll kill you sooner or later. Sooner or later, it'll kill you. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, you're putting to death not the flesh, 
but you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You're not letting them have their way. And they're being transformed and conformed to the very mind of Christ. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh or of the body, it's the same thing, you will live. You will live. This is good news. We have, we have the provision of glorious, victorious, energetic, purposeful, passionate life by Him who dwells in us. But He won't force these guys to be still. He won't kill them. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Let me wrap this quickly. It's about relationship. It's about being led. It's about following. We're followers of Jesus. Those who are being led. I I often ask people, I say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And they say, I got baptized 20 years ago. I went to an altar 30 years ago. And I say, no, 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 no. I appreciate what you did. And I don't say this, but I should say it. You're not saved by what you did. That's, that's legalism. <laughs> We're not saved by our performance. But I talked to a lot of people who, when you talk to them about their relationship with God, they don't talk about God and how they talk with Him and how they follow Him. They talk about their performance. See, We're not saved by what we did or do. We're saved by what Jesus did. See, that He's our salvation. But I say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And someone will say, well, well, and, and they start talk, talking about Christology or ecclesiology or sanctification. or just, They start telling me all that they know about the Bible. I say, no, 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 just a second. I didn't ask you what you know about the Bible. I, I asked you to tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And, they, and, they, and I say, you're, you're not saved by what you know. See, that's Gnosticism. We're saved by who we know. He's a person. He's not dead. He was resurrected. He lives and He went to heaven to send His Spirit to dwell in us. And so we have the provision of relationship today. Today is the day of salvation. I appreciate what happened 20 years ago. But today, are you walking and talking with Jesus? He's there all the time. People say, oh, Jesus is always with me. I say, you're not kidding. And He he likes to talk. He, He doesn't live here, you know. We're the temple. He's with us all the time. How often do we talk with Him? How often do we bring... See, we're being... Those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wow. How many thoughts you had so far today? Um, Psychologists think they know about 80,000 a day. So we're about, you know, so we probably all had about 10,000 thoughts so far today, 10,000 of these guys. So how many times a day have you said, Jesus, I was thinking, I wonder what you think. That's a lot of relationship. You think your spouse is rough. (laughs) I mean, they want relationship, don't they? Jesus comes in for relationship. Aren't you glad we're saved by grace? Aren't you glad he understands our habits and our weakness? But, But Paul says... And I'm going to ask him if this was his commitment or his practice. But he says, we take captive every thought. That's a lot of thoughts. That's a lot of relationship. That's what it means to be a Christian. Christ in me. Christ abiding in him, praying without ceasing, rejoicing always in everything, giving thanks. Whew! Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? But called to be holy. Called to walk as Jesus walked. With the provision of Christ in us. The transforming presence of Voice of God, power of God to enable us to be more than conquerors. Aren't you thrilled with the possibilities? Your life, I don't know where it is. I don't have a clue where it is. But I want you to know, your life.
can be what God intended it to be if you will understand the resource He's given you Himself. That's a pretty good gift. With Himself, you have everything else. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. That's terrifying. Whoever sows to please these guys, whoever sows to please them, will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Or a better question, are you a Christian? If you're truly born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He came to save you, to transform you, to renew you, to redeem you. But there's something on your side. It's a relationship. He seldom forces. He usually initiates. And if we respond, hearing, believing, obeying, He empowers. And He transforms regardless of what happens. We have what the inner resources to be more than conquerors in Christ. And the world, our families, our boss... Our church friends will all see Christ in us. We'll be the body of Christ. Amen? Would you bow your heads, please? I could invite people to come to an altar. Honestly, probably all of us would say, Oh, Lord, I need, I need to, to be more sensitive to you. Jesus has spoken this morning. Could you identify what he said to you and whatever it is? Could you respond? Oh, Jesus, we need, we need help. I beg you to help this church be a place where people know deeply that we're to guard the treasure called Christ in us, to be sensitive to you, to trust you, to defer to you, to follow you, and allow you to save us. It's, it's not how we start, though the start is terrifyingly important, but it's how we finish the race. Let us keep walking, sensitively following you, just like you lived your life. Thank you that you'll help us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.